Lord for that. Open your Bibles today to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Let's all stand, please, if you're able to do so. If not, do like I do from time to time. Don't I sit through it. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, and then reading down through some other verses at the bottom of the page of my page of my Bible. I go back to the book of Ephesians often. I just preached on this not long ago in the same context, but I want to deal with it from a little different vein of thought this morning. Chapter 2, the great riches of God are found here. But God, did you say that really? But God, when you bring God in there, that changes the whole equation. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, therewith he loved us. And then the Bible says in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Father, if nothing else is said and done today, we've read your word. And Lord, it's eternal. It's for every age, for every person. We're glad, Lord, it reaches the regions of the world today by various means of technology. Many people are hearing the gospel for the first time in their life. And Lord, it's still fresh and it's precious. I pray you enable me to preach the power of power of the God of my life. I pray, Lord, I'll be able not to stutter and mumble. May you just give me added grace today. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for what it does in our lives. And may some way the message be exactly what it needs to be for all of us today. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen. Have you seated. Most of us are acquainted with the World Wide Web, WWW. If you're in the Internet, you understand that terminology. And we're grateful we can have World Wide Web to touch the world. While I'm speaking here, I could be heard across the seas in some other foreign country. Several years ago, I had a man call me from Thailand. He said, I heard you on broadcast. He said, if you can get me to America, I'll teach in your Christian school. I knew who the man was, never, never met him before, but he wanted a way to get to America, and many folks do. This is the land of the free and the opportunity of many. Used to be, anyhow, in years gone by. I still think it's a great country. Amen. I still think America's worth saving. I still think America is worth us praying for and electing people to get into positions that would be proper. But we're not here to depend on man. We're here to depend on God. But God can make a difference, and I'm grateful that he can. But if God had a WWW website, I believe this text would be involved in that. www.salvation.com I'm going to talk to you about today. And I believe that God would have somewhere in that website, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I'm sure they'd have a lot of other verses in there, but if we're going to use the illustration, I'm glad that God has everybody on his radar. Ain't nobody anywhere outside the radar of God. It may be the poorest person in the world in the jungles of Africa, or it may be one of the richest people in the world sitting on the throne of England. God has them on the radar. He knows everybody, knows where they're at, who they are, and what they're doing. He is nothing is caught by surprise. God never says, uh-oh, 
God never says, I never thought about that before. There ain't nothing, that ain't good English, but it's good preaching. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing like God. I mean, God never has to figure out things. He got it all figured out already. He is God, and beside him there is none other. But how can a person be saved? I'm addressing what I would think probably most of you are saved today, but I think it needs to be readdressed. For perchance there may be that one soul that gathered here today who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior or does not have the blessed assurance of their salvation. It could be the message is just for you. But I like just telling the story over and over again, regardless of whether I've been saved or not, which I have been. I love the old story. And thank God, tell me, tell me the story over and over again. Many people doubt their salvation. And many people wonder about how to be saved and what's involved. Let me give you some statistics. This debate continues to uh, travel around the world. How can a person be saved? Here's what many Americans who are split on it in America says. 55% of all Americans are divided about how to be saved. A person can earn their salvation to heaven. They say 58% Episcopalians think you get to heaven by something you do. 59% of all Methodists believe you've got to earn your way to heaven. 77, 76% of all Mormons believe you have to uh, earn your way to heaven. 82% of all Catholics believe you have to earn your way to heaven. And what's really startling, 38% of Baptists think you have to earn your way to heaven. That's shocking to me because we believe that God saves us and it's a gift of God. And we'll talk about it just a little bit. There was a, sometimes a, an illustration years ago I read about, you know, sometimes we're ignorant of certain things like people are about salvation. We've all been there. I've been there. I think we all have. There was a farmer helping one of his cows to give birth. And halfway out, when he noticed his four-year-old son soaking up the whole event, how am I going to explain to my little boy what's going on here? I'll just ask him if he had any questions. The wide-eyed boy said, just one, Dad. How fast was that calf going when it hit that cow? <laughs> I would say the four-year-old was ignorant of the conversation, right? But let's just move it right where we're at. Majority of the world is still confused about salvation. Many, many good people depending on themselves to get themselves to heaven. And I want to burst that bubble again from my own recognition, from my own recollection, from my own edification, from my own growth in Christ, to realize Christ is all in all. Salvation is of the Lord. Always has been, always will be. So I give to you, first of all, salvation is a present of God's grace. It's a present or a gift of grace. For by grace are you saved. So the definition comes to our mind about what grace really is. Let's just illustrate it. Grace is something no one deserves. Grace is something no one deserves. Someone put it this way. God's riches at Christ's expense. God can deal with us in justice. That means he gives us exactly what we deserve. And by the way, you deserve to go to hell. I deserve to go to hell. There's nothing good within me. There's nothing can satisfy the wrath of God. There's nothing in me that's good enough to justify salvation. So he could show justice and just send us all to hell. And has every right to do so if he wanted to. God is a God of justice. I've been reading through the book of Proverbs in recent days. And every time I find the word righteous 
or just. I take an error and draw it from one to the other through the Bible. How many times the word righteous is used? God is a righteous, a just, and a holy God. But He is a merciful God, and I'm glad that He shows mercy. Number two, He does not have to give what, he, what we do deserve. He can show mercy. I've been to court a few times, a couple of times for myself. I had a wreck several years ago and had to go to court and, and uh, try to plead guilty, and then they dismissed the case. Hallelujah. But anyhow, I've been in court several times. My boy got a speeding ticket when he was 18 years old. I said, son, when you get a speeding ticket, you come and turn your keys in. One night about 11 o'clock, Andrew was coming home, and I was sitting in the recliner, and he threw his keys over at me. I said, what is this for? He said, you told me if I got a ticket to turn my keys in. I said, well, great, man. Sit down. Let's talk about it. Well, he was speeding that night, coming home. He was home getting late. He stayed late getting home, and he got a ticket. So we set a date for court, and he got him a lawyer and so forth, and these first offenses and how it was going to go and so forth. So I went, and uh, I sent word up to the folks to me. I said, give him the chair. <laughs> Execute him. Go in and get rid of him. I mean, he's in speed and then broke the violation. But I'm glad when the judge looked at him and made the statement, he showed mercy. He didn't give him justice. He just gave him mercy. And many times in our life, I'm glad to hear, I'm going to be merciful to you right now. Sometimes dealing with our kids, sometimes when they deserve justice and maybe they deserve a whipping. But there's times when you show mercy and you wait because you just love them enough that you don't want them to have to suffer now, they may get justice somewhere along the way in a whipping, but mercy is often shown by us as parents many times. But God can deal with us with justice. He can give us what we do deserve. He can deal with us in mercy. He does not have to give us what we do deserve. Or He can deal with grace, gives us what we do not deserve. God gives us what we do not deserve. God gives us what we do not deserve. I do not deserve to go to heaven. I do not deserve to walk on golden streets and enjoy the blessings of God for time and eternity. I do not deserve to be able to enjoy anything God has and made for us. I don't deserve that. But thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God for the marvelous grace of God. You ask me how I feel about it. What's, what's great about grace? <clears throat> and the little, <clears throat> Get it out of here in just a minute. Lord, give me time. It's just amazing. That's what it is. What about grace? Well, I better slow down. I'm not going to be able to get it out. It's just marvelous. Marvelous grace. There's a throne of grace, the Bible says in Ephesians, or in Hebrews chapter 4. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy in the hour of need. Aren't you glad for the amazing grace of God? Oh, the writer of that song, Amazing Grace, wrote a beautiful song many years ago. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost in sin, but now, thank God, I've been made free by the marvelous grace of God. Grace is what everyone needs, what no one deserves, and what God has, and only God can give. Let me say that again. Grace is what everyone needs. All people said, amen. amen. What no one deserves, all God's people said, and what only God alone can give is grace. Thank God for that. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commenced His love toward us and while we yet sinners. Christ died for us. God committed to me that He showed His love to us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. If you want a great picture of the heart of God, God loved us enough. He demonstrated His love and showed it on Calvary. If you want to know what the love of God is like, go to Calvary and look at the cross. And look, when, when Jesus is still hanging there, see the love of God. 
that came from the foundation of the world. God's love to us is manifested on the cross of Calvary. But God demonstrated, displayed His love for us. We, we were condemned to die, but God, in His riches and grateful mercy, showed love to us. He did not die because of your goodness. He died in spite of your badness, your wicked. As I said last week when I talked about the same subject, about the simplicity of salvation, you're a wicked person. And again, in the debate I went through with the lady at the hospital the last week I was telling you about, well, I'm not really too bad preacher. I'm a pretty good person. There's nobody good outside of God. I say it sometimes, that's a good guy. That's a good person. That's a good child. But in essence, when, God, when somebody says something that you're good, and you talk about what we do, it is as filthy rags, Isaiah 55 tells us. It is dirty and filthy and abominable. The preacher, I'm good. I'm, I do a lot of good deeds. But what are you doing them for? Well, I want to satisfy God. That's not the answer that you need because your goodness outwardly is not going to... The only thing you can do good is what God does through you because God is good. Good is God. And when God works through us, He can use us for His glory. But the deeds that we do, even though they are good from the human standpoint, they're not going to justify heaven for us. They're going to make me go to heaven because I've been good. Even so, sometimes we think they are. No one will ever go to heaven because of his performance. <clears throat> no one will go to heaven because of his position. And no one will go to heaven because of his pedigree. Turn to John chapter 1. Let's just read a few verses of Scripture. John chapter 1. One of the great chapters in all the Bible. Amen. If you want to coincide Genesis 1 and John 1, you've got a great picture of time and eternity. The Bible says, let's go down to verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. How many believe that God made the world? Amen. How many believe God made you? Amen. He breathed into man's nostrils. He became a breath, the breath of life. When it is so, his soul, he became a living soul and we are descendants of Adam and Eve. We're made the image of God. He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was not anything in my blood that's going to be sufficient to atone for sins. It was not my birth. I was born into a Christian home. My daddy was an old-fashioned fundamental preacher out of West Virginia. There's not been a better saint ever lived than my mother, in my opinion. She was a saintly woman, a godly woman. I've seen her pray. I've heard her shout. I've heard her rejoice in the Lord. And she reared five kids to the best of her ability. Six, really. One died in infancy. My mother was a faithful lady, and I love her to death. But I don't get to heaven because Mama was saved. I don't get to heaven because my daddy was a preacher. I don't get to heaven because I was born into a Christian family. And somebody says, well, if I, I'm a Christian because I was born in America. Well, why does that make you a Christian? Well, because America is a Christian nation. Somebody says, Oh, that's a long way off the park, a long way off the mark to think that America is a Christian nation. I think it was founded on some Christian principles, but it's not a Christian nation. And I'm not going to go to heaven because I was born in America. I'm going to heaven because of the grace of God in that alone. He said in verse 14, and the word was made flesh. That's Jesus, capital W, W, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Here it is, full of grace and truth. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. 
John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of who, whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received. There it is again. And grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. We find the truth. I'm not saved by pedigree. I'm not saved by whose family I'm in. I'm not saved by my position. I'm not saved by my performances. That has nothing to do with my salvation. Those are just things that we do, and sometimes we have no choice in it. I did not choose to be born in a certain home, but I was. You did not choose to be born in the home you were. You said, Preacher, I wish I was born in a Christian home. I can't answer the mysteries of God and why some are born here and some are born there. While I was born here and didn't, wasn't born on the backside of some desert in Arabia, I don't understand that. But I'll leave that with God and God's divine sovereignty. He knows exactly what He's doing. He never makes a mistake. That's right. But I've seen lost people go to heaven or go to, go to heaven through being saved because they were in a Christian home. But I've seen folks out of an unsaved home God saved the same grace of God that dealt with those who have unsaved homes can deal with those that have saved homes. You may have a closer chance and a quicker chance of getting right with God in a Christian home, but all of God's mercy is extended to every family. Some of the best Christians I know come out of bad situations. How many of you was raised in an alcoholic's home or a drunkard's home? Raise your hand. Real high. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 families in this auditorium today, at least, and maybe more, they're raised in an alcoholic home. I mean, some, some folks were raised in a, I don't want to ask the question, where well, you were beaten unmercifully. Some of you were beaten by an unkind dad or mom, and some of you may even be molested as a child. Anytime you talk about child molestation, there's always somebody in the congregation who was molested when they was a kid, and sometimes they suffer that their whole life. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. You can save the daddy who molested somebody. And thank God for grace. They can help the molested person grow to grow in maturity and be usable to God. I'm glad God's grace covers a multitude of sins. I'm glad God's able to do the abundant, marvelous truth he's given to us in the Bible, even though sometimes we don't like it. I don't like they got saved after what they did. Well, I understand that. There's been a few times in my life in my flesh would like to take somebody out. Especially if I told the whole story again today and I'm not about the adoption, trying to adopt a child years ago. There was a daddy in that picture that I did not like. There was a daddy in that picture that I would whipped if I had a chance. That's my flesh because of what happened. But God loved him just as much as he loved me and he loved that little girl. Her name was Melinda as much as any other little child. Every time I see a bus go by, so many times over the years I thought about Melinda and my wife sitting here to tell you, I remember the night when Nancy turned her back to me in the bed and cried like a baby. I remember those days. Boy, your flesh sometimes says, oh, if I could just I could straighten it out. But I'm glad God loves everybody. Amen. Yeah. He loves the dirty and the filthy and the abominable and the yeah. wicked. Amen. He loves the self-righteous. He loves the Pharisee. And by the way, we wrote much of the New Testament. He talked to the Pharisees. Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection. They were keepers of the law. They were respectable people and God loved them. But he gave warning to them over and over again. But he did love them. And there was a number of Pharisees that got right with God, including Nicodemus. There were Pharisees in the Bible that gave their life to Jesus, including, including the Apostle Paul. There have been Pharisees down through the annals of time. Pharisees, somebody said, how do you know the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee? 
They're both listed in the New Testament. Pharisee and Sadducee. Well, Pharisee believed the resurrection. It's fair, you see? Resurrection. Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Sadducee? Sadducee and Pharisee. They both were religious organizations in the New Testament. And the Lord loved all of them. He came to his own. Who were that? The Pharisees. He came to the keepers of the law and the judicial system of the Old Testament. He came to every individual. He came to his own. And his own received him not. But to them that did receive him, to them gave he power to become, or authority to become, the sons of the living God. Thank God his grace is sufficient. It makes no difference who we are. The only reason... Anyone goes to heaven is because of the compassion of God. I can't get a hold of that one. I know compassion maketh a difference in Jude chapter 1, the only chapter in the book of Jude. Compassion making a difference. Nobody's ever shown compassion like God did. The Good Samaritan who came down the road and the man was down in the ditch had been beaten, left half for dead, left for dead. And Jesus came by the illustration of the Good Samaritan. He came to where he was to take him to where he needed to go. He came to this hurting man who cried and was bleeding and suffering and on his way to despair and death. And the Good Samaritan come by. One day the Good Samaritan come down your path. Uh, you were good for nothing. You were left half dead by the devil. He wanted to ruin, wreck, and destroy your life. But Jesus came by. And thank God for his compassion. That makes a tremendous difference in your life. Why does he love me so? I can't explain it. I can't understand how that God in all of His holiness and His deity and His greatness and His goodness, I still can't get a hold of how come He loved me. It's beyond my comprehension today. He loves me. One of my favorite verses I've used for years and I'm grateful for it that uh, God has given His love to us and I didn't understand uh, the love of God for a long time in my life and still don't understand it. But they've got a little bit of grasp of it to know that God loves me. He loves me just like I am. He loves me just like I am. He loves me with mine when I'm up. He loves me when I'm down. He loves me when I'm good. As far as outward goodness is concerned, He loves me when I'm bad. He just loves me all the time, and I'm grateful for that. The marvelous love of God goes deeper than I can ever imagine. And so God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only reason anyone goes to heaven is because of the compassion of God. Why does He love me? Salvation cannot be earned. It says, For, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, not by works, lest any man should boast. No works, no ability in myself, nothing in my hand. When I come to Jesus Christ, simply to the cross I cling because I have nothing to bring except a sorry, good-for-nothing sinner on his way to hell. And God looks down if God could cry. And perhaps He does even today. He did when He was here when a tear dropped down His eye. And He looks at you and sees you. Somebody He's willing to die for and pay the ultimate price and take your place on Calvary which is taking your place in hell and suffering the, uh, the abominable death that only people who are sinners deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus dipped his very soul in the regions of the damned that I could have salvation, that I could go to heaven when I die, that I could be in God's family. I could go to heaven and have a name in the book of life. I can live forever with God, forever and forever and forever. Hallelujah for the cause of Christ. It touched my life. I'm glad for salvation, www.salvation.com. I'm glad it's on God's worldwide page today. And praise the Lord for that. Just imagine me trying to do my own surgery for my heart if I had heart trouble. And I've used the illustration before. I'm going to do heart surgery on myself. I don't trust the doctors. I'm going to get me a do-it-yourself surgery kit to operate on my heart. 
And I'm going to get me a little table lower than this, and I'm going to get me a little sheet and cover myself up, and I'm going to lay down on this little little table. And over here, I've got a scalpel. Is that the, what they call it? The big knife they got, they use, the scalpel. Uh, maybe it's, well, anyhow. And they have these other instruments that have been sanitized. I have my group, I have my tools right there. I'm laying there, scalpel, please. I reach over and get my scalpel, and I just begin to cut right down through my chest. Get rid of the esophagus problem. Go right down through my chest, and open it back up. And then I need a heart transplant, and I'm going to get somebody else's heart. I hope I get somebody good, don't you? Get somebody's heart. Get a heart transplant. You got somebody's liver, didn't you? You know who it was? I have no idea. He was a good-looking person, wasn't he? (laughs) No, hopefully. (laughs) But I can imagine I'm getting a heart transplant, so I reach over here and get this other heart. It's still, still pumping, still hooked up to the mechanism. How they do that? It can be stayed alive for so long, I guess. So I reach over here. And I bring it over here and I take, I cut this one out, cut this one out, just plug this one in. I work on all the arteries to where they're supposed to go. And uh, then I sew myself back up. I, I get uh, get the threads and what do they call them? You get the needle. And, uh, how you sew yourself? Where you sew yourself? Where you sew yourself up? Well, I'll be glad to get my mind figured out. Well, of course, I'm sort of enjoying being crazy for a while, I guess. But I sew myself back up, and then I sort of pat it on the on my stomach because it's in there. The old one's over here. The good one's now in here. Whew, done. You say, preacher, if you want to have your own do-it-yourself surgery kit, you're an idiot. You are plumb crazy to try to do it yourself. There's no such thing as a do-it-yourself heart fixer. But there is one who can fix my heart spiritually. And if you want to touch my heart spiritually and physically too, it would be great. But especially spiritually. There is a great God in heaven who can put a divine operation on me spiritually. He could save my wretched soul from hell and perform spiritual surgery on me. That which was bad has now become good. I'm good not because of me, because of Him. And that which is good, God gives me a heart, a new nature. And that nature is perfect. That nature is holy. That nature is righteous. And everything that He does in His seed is good and right. My old flesh is still there, but the good nature is there. And thank God for that. And I'm grateful for that. Salvation is the possession of faith. It says through faith. The gift you're going to get is by faith. Salvation is a present or a gift of grace. Salvation is the possession of faith through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Say it with me, please. For by grace are you saved through faith. Say it again. You're not saved by works. Say that. And we talked about it last week. How many works would you have to do to be saved if you could be saved by works? I'd have to work myself, my fingers to the bone. I'd have to work every day and night to provide enough salvation or cost to pay the price for my salvation. I'm glad don't work that way. And depending, the statistics I gave you a while ago, that's over 50% and 60%, 70% of the people believe they've got to work their way to heaven. If you don't believe that people aren't working their way to heaven, you've got your head in the sand. They're, they'll say things like this when somebody dies. Well, they did a lot of good deeds. I'm sure they're going to heaven. They're looking down smiling at us today. 
Now, I realize it's comforting sometimes to realize our living went to heaven, but don't be giving false security. Somebody lived as wicked as hell, never repented of their sin, never asked Christ to be a Savior. They're not looking down from heaven on them smiling, that person lifting up their eyes from hell burning. You say, preach, that's not very pleasant. I want everybody to go to heaven. I want all of God's people to go to heaven. That'd be great if everybody in the world, 8 billion people, whatever it is, could be saved and go to heaven right now. But that's not going to happen. They got to come God's way, not by their works, not by their good deeds, not by any efforts of their own. They are saved by the grace of God. Faith is our hand receiving salvation. God says, I give you for God so loved the world that he gave. It's a gift. And the, and the Christian or the person becomes a Christian with their hand reaching out, that's faith. They'd reach out to receive the gift. How do I get it? I just put my hand out. I receive the gift of God. I don't do anything except I just I will receive. I'm not doing a deed. I'm not doing a work. All I'm doing is saying, Lord, I receive. My spiritual hand reaches out to receive the gift of God. For the Bible says the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How grateful I am for that. There's a flip side of the coin. One side says salvation. The other side says faith. For by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God. Two rivers flow to the gulf of our salvation. Those two rivers, the rivers of grace and the river of faith. There's a river of grace that comes from the throne of God that I mentioned a while ago in Hebrews chapter 4. And there's that river of faith in that center that just reaches up. I need you, Lord. I can't make it without you. I can't save myself. I now receive the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I ask Him to save my soul. And as I do that, I realize that I, by faith, are trusting in God. God, grace is the hand giving. And faith is the hand receiving. God's hand giving, my hand is receiving. And I receive the gift of God. We meet on Calvary's mountain. We meet on the old rugged cross. And there God the Father is in heaven. God the Son is on the cross. And I'm down here going to hell. And God reaches down where I'm at, offers me eternal life, and I receive that. And I come together reconciled in Jesus Christ. I'm reconciled back to the Father. And the Father receives me through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought. I have my salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not yourself is the gift of God. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way I'm going to heaven today is because of the grace of God and because of the Lord Jesus and what he did on the Calvary's cross. Faith is not a good work you do for God. It's faith in God's work that's being done in you. God does a work in us called salvation, regeneration. He regenes us. He regenerates us and gives us a new work in ourselves. It's not us working to get it. It's receiving what he's, do- what he's doing. And he re- works the genes into us. It's called a new birth, uh, not by works of righteousness, but by, his, by the Holy Ghost. Are we converted and regenerated into the family of God? And God regenerates us and helps us through the journey of life. Once I'm saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells on the inside of my body. And I'm so grateful for that. If it were by intelligence that I'd get to heaven... Some of us would fail because we're plumb dumb. You ever figure, you know, sometimes you just think you're dumb in so many areas. You know, you may be smart in many areas, but did you know smart people go to hell? And dumb people go to hell? And smart people go to heaven? And dumb people go to heaven? If they've come the right way. It's not a matter of how smart I am. I'm not smart enough to get to heaven. I can't figure out God. I can't figure out, I can't understand it. Paul and I was talking this morning about his grandmother was talking about you know, death is a mystery. I've been around it all my life. Many of you have been privy to be with people dying and you hear certain things and you see certain things. But coming down to the end of the life when they breathe their last breath, 
I've seen various things happen with people. Sometimes they reach out. Sometimes they may kick their foot in the air. Sometimes they just sort of, and their eyes stop and the breath stops. They just quit breathing, no more breath. They just, of course, it's gone. I don't know how true this is. They tell me they did a, a measuring of the, of the body before it dies, and then they measure the body after it dies. And with meticulous scales, they were weighting devices. They said it weighed different so many, I mean, I forget what the, the statistics, the figures are, but it weighed a little less after they died than it was before they died. Now, I'm not here to say that dogmatically. I did read that many years ago, and I'd probably be a good illustration to look up. You may be able to find it. It stands in something leaves the body. Once a person dies, the spirit that God gave goes back to him who gave it. The body is just a tabernacle. The flesh remains behind, but the real person comes out of there. You've heard the stories, the illustrations someone mentioned about, you know, somebody, they see things, and when they die, they appear, and the body's down here. That sometimes is an illustration that happened. I don't know what all God, I've heard folks, D.L. Moody heard voices. Uh, he saw his children when he was dying. So he cried out. I see him, I see him, I see him. I don't know what we're going to do when we cross over. You know why? I don't know. I ain't done that yet. When my time comes to cross over the other side, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's an angel there that's going to be there to welcome me to the other side. It may be the hallelujah course trains up in heaven for you. I don't know what God's going to do when we cross over, but it's a mystery. Death is a mystery. It's all a mystery. But God coming to reveal the mysteries of the world, the ages to us. And the secret things belong to God. And I'm glad he tells us uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. It gives a comfort to a Christian to know I placed my little frail hand in the hand of a great God who made the world. And the same God who dipped his hands down the bowl of nothingness and flung the worlds into existence. The same God who reached down on the banks of the Euphrates River and took a molded piece of clay and formed out a man and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. That same God, that same God, but God, same God, but God, who's rich in mercy, will be there when my time comes to cross over. I may not want to die, but thank God one day I'm going to come down and I breathe my last breath. And God said, it's all right. It's all right. The Lord is my shepherd. He sh- I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We may have some fears and apprehensions, but when that moment comes, He promised, He promised, you'll have no fear. We're going to be able to see the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God. And what a day that'll be. And wonderful privilege just to be among the living. Faith is... Very important in our Christian life. If I had to look a certain way to go to heaven, I'd fail. And some of you are not so hot, hot yourself. Aren't you glad ugly people go to heaven? Amen. Let me hear it one more time. Aren't you glad ugly people go to heaven? Amen. Aren't you glad good looking people go to heaven? Amen. Same people, same people. <laughs> Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, somebody's in. Ugly goes all the way to the bone. It's not a matter of my looks. It's not a matter of my education. I got a high school diploma many years ago, 1964. 1969, I walked across the stage with a BA degree. Uh, several years later, I received an MA degree out of Dothan, Alabama. Uh, somebody says, what kind of degrees? Do well, I got, a, I got a bar, a BA, and a MA, MA. And uh, they said, you're going to work on your nurses? I'm not in the doctor's degree. And I said, no. I think I've gone far enough. I got them all, and I'm satisfied. 
but I'm, gra I'm grateful for what education I got. Don't, don't mean I know a lot of things. I just tell people I got education so that I'd be impressive, try to impress you. You got a smart preacher standing here. I mean, he's really smart. He th he's probably as dumb as the, some old ox outside the stall somewhere. But God, regardless of how smart you are, you can go to heaven. Amen. Yeah. Nicodemus illustration. Paul illustration. Paul, one of the greatest theologians ever crossed this page of history. And the great education he had in writing the epistles under inspiration of God. He was an intellectual man. And many believe he graduated from the leading institutions of his day. He was an intellect. But God saved him and used him. Just as much as a person who has no education, God can save them and use them. And an educated person and a non-educated person sit on the same pew and have the same grace apply their life and go into the same heaven. God's not a respecter of persons. He loves the little poor but bus kid just as much as he does the richest person in our church. Amen. Wouldn't it be good when they sing, sing together, they put a songbook up there, and here's a guy who's a millionaire in our church. All the millionaires, listen up now. We're trying to pay the parking lot, so listen up very carefully. Millionaire takes his takes his hymn book, and the little boy reaches over and they grabs the other side, and the rich man singing, "Amazing grace, how sweet the sound," and the little boy says, "That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind." But now I see the rich and the poor, the great and the mighty, and the little and the big, and the black and the white. It doesn't matter what God is. He's not a spectral person. He loves the whole world. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on planet earth can go to heaven if they want to by receiving the message of salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. That none of yourself it is the gift of God. I have two more hours of preaching. I'll just put it on the radio in a few minutes, the Lord willing. Let's stand together, please. How many can truthfully say, truthfully say, I know that I know that if I die to go to heaven, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as a gift of salvation. Raise your hand real high. Oh, that's great. Beautiful, beautiful sight. That is a beautiful sight. Take your hands down. Now, would you be honest? If you're here, you didn't raise your hand. Could you raise your hand right now and say, pray for me? I'm not sure if I go to heaven. Please remember me in prayer. Maybe up high and take it back down. Anybody like that? God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? God bless you. I see the hand. Anybody else? If you need to come to the altar, somebody will pray with you, show you how to trust Christ. You've heard the message today in simplicity. You can trust Christ for your salvation. Be sure about it before you leave today. Anybody else? You're welcome to come anytime somebody pray with them. These folks that come. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's good. It's great. Amen. Amen. Father, bless these that come to pray. May they have the assurance of their salvation. May they know Christ as Savior. Father, how important it is to know that we can be saved any time, any place we meet the conditions. Realize our need of Christ. And Father, may the will of God be accomplished in our lives. Somebody come pray with Julius over here. It'd be great. Father, meet the need of every heart and every life, and we'll give you praise and honor in what's accomplished. As we sing together prayerfully, as we sing this song of invitation, if you need to come.